Humans are underrated by Geoff Colvin. One sentence summary. Humans are underrated dissects how computers now beat humans when it comes to knowledge, but will never surpass us in social skills or creativity. My favorite quote from the author is, The right kind of narrative told by a person is mightier than logic. Geoff Colvin. To begin, the book introduces Moore's Law, which states that computational power will double every two years. This is owed to the fact that the advancements in production technology allow twice the amount of transistors per chip in roughly the same time frame. Since physical space is limited, Moore's Law must eventually come to an end. But we are still far from it. Until now, it has led to computers exceeding in many tasks we believe to be uniquely human. For example, Psychologist Paul Ekman decoded over 3,000 micro-expressions, which we can create using the 40 muscles of our face. He fed all that data of his facial action coding system to a computer and pitted it against a human in recognizing emotions based on facial expressions. The result? While the computer guessed emotions correctly 85% of the time, humans only scored right in 55% of all cases. While these advancements are great for progress, computers also come with drawbacks. Spending hours on end in front of screens significantly decreases our social skills, like understanding body language or reading others' emotions. Luckily, this can be reversed, as a study with 6th graders at a screen-free camp showed. Similarly, social media might help us maintain more relationships, but studies have found that the quality of relationships often suffers because we tend to trust less overall and don't bond as effectively as in person or over the phone. Ironically, we need to improve exactly these kinds of skills in order to be successful today. With knowledge being available 24-7 at arm's reach, social skills are what sets us apart from computers. For example, while a computer can instantly analyze millions of legal cases, provide all the required literature and predict the outcome of the case better than we do, it can never connect with the defendant and persuade her to act in her own best interest. Thanks to modern technology, we can now connect cheaply with anyone, anywhere. This also makes it much easier to offend people from other cultures, just because we might not know about their culture. His social skills and knowledge of culture saved Lieutenant Colonel Chris Hughes and his team during the Iraq War. When ambushed by Iraqi soldiers, instead of escalating the situation, they knelt down and pointed their guns to the ground. A gesture of respect. They were able to withdraw unharmed. Empathy is another crucial skill, which works only when shown genuinely from a human being. It is the ability to understand how others feel. For example, a great doctor will not just listen to where it hurts and treat the symptoms by giving you the right medicine, she will also make an effort to put herself in your shoes and tell you what you can do to feel better about the situation. Even if a computer could understand your feelings and react in the right way, you'd probably never feel as good about going to a computer doctor as you would when seeing another human being. Next to social skills, it will also be impossible for computers to beat humans in one other thing, creativity. I just saw the new Star Wars movie, and if you've ever watched an inspiring movie with a great story, you know that it's more convincing than the best rational argument. Storytelling is how Steve Denning was able to convince the World Bank to make important information available to health workers in Zambia. And it's what Gary Vaynerchuk preaches to anyone who's trying to make it online. 
We want to get to know the person behind the story, learn about their successes and failures, and that's something a computer just can't deliver. That's why great companies like Apple or Google foster creativity by maximizing the chance of random employee interactions. With great common areas like big staff meeting rooms or an awesome cafeteria, they make sure genius can strike as often as possible, which is likely to be when we talk to others over a simple cup of coffee. Ideally, we can create a win-win situation by using computers to teach us knowledge-related skills, like repairing a car or statistics, and improve our social skills. For example, the software SendLove unites all the positive aspects by encouraging employees to thank one another publicly. The messages can be seen by the entire team, inspiring others to help even more. Here's what I learned from Humans Are Underrated by Geoff Colwin. Some background. You may have noticed that the three lesson format was absent in the summary, and that's because it was one of the first, I think the uh, might have been the third summary on four minute books ever. Okay, it's over two years. No, not over. It's almost two years old at this point. Um, Humans Are Underrated is Geoff Colwin's follow up book to his other book, which is called Talent is Overrated. Uh, Talent is Overrated was published in 2008, and it was obviously about that you can learn any skill or that it's really. Not that you can learn any skill, but that um, we put too much emphasis on talent and we should f focus on practice more and deliberate practice and how people practice and so on. Because even if you have a lot of talent, if you don't practice and put in the work, it's not going to lead anywhere, right? So we should focus on the work aspect and that would leave us better off because then we don't say, oh, I don't have talent, I'm doomed, I, I can't do this, right? So there's that aspect. So that's his other book. That was published in 2008. Humans Are Underrated was published in 2015, right? So long time, but that was his follow-up book. And again, the central points were, yes, computers get better at a lot of, can do a lot of things better now than we can. All this stuff that when it comes to knowledge, but where we shine is social skills and creativity. And it's going to be very hard for computers to take that away from us I mean, the social part just can't because computers, like, they aren't alive, quote-unquote. So there's that. And then creativity, um, unless we're talking about really advanced AI and so on, and it's, like, way down the line. And creativity, where it's about combining old and new ideas, and that's also something that's hard to program. Now, um, I want to check a few things, actually, uh, to give you the most up-to-date information. So, uh, because... Moore's Law, I said that at one point it's going to come to an end. But actually, I think up until now, um, Moore's Law has actually accelerated. So it's getting faster, which is even more uh, insane. So let me give you some info from Wikipedia, right? So the idea was that initially, let's say the first transistor, the first uh, CPU, which is Central Processing Unit um, for a computer, right? It had... The number of transistors depends how many uh, how many tasks a computer can do simultaneously, and that sort of uh, determines the speed of the computer, right? So if you had a chip that's, say, one centimeter by one centimeter, there was a certain amount of transistors you could put on it uh, at first, right? So let's say 10, because they're really, really tiny. So uh, the idea of Moore's Law is that every year, uh, no, actually every two years, this would double. So if the first transistor had 10, uh, if the first CPU had 10 transistors on a 1 by 1 uh, centimeter or 1 by 1 inch plate, then two years later, the next generation would be able to accommodate 
20 transistors and then 40 and so on and so on. I think by now we're in the thousands uh, of, of transistors. <laughs> no way off, actually. Uh, we're now at... Um, well, actually, let me see if that's from... Oh, yeah, that's from 2011. So in 2011, we were already at 2.6 billion, billion transistors uh, on a microprocessor which is insane. And by the way, the way these work, this is very interesting. So obviously humans don't design these anymore because the transistors are so tiny. They're in the nanometer range, which is, I think, micro nano. So it's 10 to the power of negative six meters, right? So it's like you you can't see. I don't think you can see it with your, with your eye even. You would need a microscope. So they're so tiny that obviously mm -hmm. robots assemble these. <laughs> and it's funny because the... the uh, it's so fast, so the evolution of the technology is so fast. P uh, companies like IBM who or Intel who manufacture these transistors, they don't uh, improve their technology, they don't improve the gear, they build new assembly lines, they build new halls, because the technology is so overhauled within two years that it's cheaper to build a new factory than to improve the old one and stock it up with new robots. Like, that's how insane it, the, the speed of progress is. And what they do is they build these factory halls, which are hermetically sealed, because they have to be perfectly dust-free, obviously, because a single grain of dust, imagine how many transistor spaces that would take away on a, on a CPU now. And then these robots assemble them with tiny, I don't know, like laser technology and like crazy shit. They assemble these transistors on the plates and then they, I don't know, seal them or something. And that's how these are made. So um, let me give you some update info. Intel stated in 2015 that the pace of advancement has slowed. Okay starting at the 22 nanometer feature with around with around 2012 and continuing at 14 nanometers now the cadence is closer to two and a half years than two okay so the speed of moore's law is apparently it is slowing down uh, this is scheduled to hold through the 10 nanometer width in late 2017. Uh, he cited moore's revision Technical challenges as a natural part of the history of Moore's law. Okay, but other people on uh, they expect it to continue indefinitely. So as we progress from 14 nanometers to 10 nanometers and plan for 7 and 5 nanometers and even beyond, our plans are proof that Moore's law is alive and well. However, others uh, others expect that the geometrical reduction in scaling happens, uh, which means that around 2025, the traditional rate for Moore's law may end. So this law has begun in 1971 or the 70s, and it's continuing to this day. So every two years until now, the number of transistors and CPU speed basically has doubled, which is really, really crazy. So there's some accurate uh, background info on that. Um, there was... A um, there was a cool story um, about uh, Stephen Steve Denning how he convinced the uh, central bank the World Bank that um, they should give some information to Zambian workers I think it was about um, malaria uh, let's see.
As a manager in the World Bank in 1996, I had been trying to communicate the idea of knowledge management and to get people to understand and to implement it. At that time, in that organization, knowledge management was a strange and generally incomprehensible idea. Uh, I used the traditional methods of communicating with no success. I gave people reasons why the idea was important, but they didn't listen. I showed them charts and they just looked dazed. In my desperation, I was willing to try anything and eventually I stumbled on the power of a story, such as the following. In June 1995, a health worker in a tiny town in Zambia logged onto the website for the Center of Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia and got the answer to a question on how to treat malaria. This was June 1995, not June 2001. This was not the capital of Zambia, but a tiny place 600 kilometers away. This was not rich country. This was Zambia, one of the poorest countries in the world. But the most important part of this picture for us in the World Bank is this. The World Bank isn't in the picture. The World Bank doesn't have its know-how accessible to all the millions of people who made decisions about poverty. But just imagine if it had. Think what an organization it could become. And basically that's the story he told them that made it successful, his efforts to introduce knowledge management into the company and to, um, you know, for the World Bank to release all the data about inflation and so on. So that kind of stuff. And that really started, kickstarted that process. And that's how he used storytelling to actually do that, right? If Steve Denning hadn't been super creative um, and, and able to sort of tell this, this story, it would not have been possible, right? Uh, the other thing I wanted to explain is, is send love. So what's that? That's sort of a mix of computers and humans uh, that gets the best of both, both worlds, right? That uses computers to help humans be better at socializing and creativity. So what it does, it's, it's super simple, right? It's basically just a monitor uh, that you could hang in your office in a central place like where everyone walks by or in the hallway or in different places. And this monitor just shows... Uh, compliments and uh, positive comments and um, recognition and so on from people in the company from one member of the organization to another. So on the uh, dashboard, for example, it would show uh, uh, thank you for getting rid of that bug in the code, John. Um, uh, thanks for uh, bringing me a donut from the cafeteria. Or, uh, great job on the presentation today, Paul, right? That's it. And it would show who said that and to whom, I guess. And it would show that publicly on the dashboard and thus, and in this way encourage people to be nicer to each other. Like, how great is that? That's a really cool idea. Um, and I think this company installs these systems in your company if you want it. It's called Send Love and it's at Send Love. Uh, so, Send Love, literally those two words together, dot .us. Um, it seems like the website is a bit outdated, but I think they're still around. So there is also that. And then lastly, oh yeah, this is a cool thing. It's just fun. Don't take it too seriously. It's called willrobotstakemyjob.com, right? So if you go to that site, willrobotstakemyjob, and you enter your profession, you will get a likelihood of how... Uh, how high the chances that robots will take over your job in the future. So if you put something like lawyer, you uh, you get a list. There is an SOC code. This is probably something from the United uh, States, I guess, uh, some kind of job definition coding, and it gets 3.5%. Um, represent clients in criminal and civil litigation and other legal proceedings, draw up legal documents or manage or advise clients on legal transactions, may specialize in a single area or may practice broadly in many areas of law. 
what is the automation risk level? So basically, what is the chance that this gets automated? Totally safe, says the website. Projected growth is 6% in the next uh, seven years, uh, over uh, six figures in annual income on average, um, median actually 118,000, and over 600,000 people employed. And then you can see job openings as a little gimmick. But if you enter something like Carpenter, uh, and you go to Carpenter, 72%. Wow. So automation risk level is robots are watching. <laughs> That's funny. Um, 6% uh, growth also projected. Median annual income is 43,000 and uh, 676,000 people employed, right? And it just gives this job description and um, a chance of, of automation. I don't exactly know how it calculates these, but it's just kind of fun to see, okay, what am I doing? Like how valuable is this and how valuable is this gonna be? And how can I maybe branch out and just like, try to do something new so that's just a fun little um, tool to play around with so yeah that's really it I mean if you focus on uh, being creative and just like mashing ideas using computers to do the computer stuff but guide them where they need help and if we just think about how basically humans can use computers to do things better instead of worrying about will computers do things better than we do um, then I think we're always going to be okay. Unless at some point something like Skynet happens from the Terminator and we're all doomed. <laughs> Who never will never know uh, until we know. But other than that, I think we're going to be fine. Humans are underrated by Geoff Colin. I hope you enjoyed. And I will see you on one of the next summaries.